The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 203 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. We really appreciate it. Before we get into this week's amazing conversation, I do want to thank a new reviewer on Apple Podcasts. The Apple listener name is Louis K-S-T-R-O. Could be Louis Castro or Louis K-Stro, something. But it is one of my favorite reviews ever. It was a five-star review, which I appreciate all of my reviewers and all of the kind words. But this was this just made me smile and actually kind of brought tears to my eyes. And this reviewer shared that he and his son had had a conversation about what I must look like. <laughs> and they, they kind of uh, both put out there what they thought I looked like, and it turned out that his son was right. They Googled me, and apparently uh, that, that, that's how it went down. And now his son is serving on a mission, and he shared that they listened to the show every morning on the way to uh, early morning seminary. And it just made me smile, and what a blessing that he's out serving the Lord and And thank you so much to you for that incredible review. It really touched my heart. I appreciate it. Uh, This week on the show, my guest, Britton Covey, is a college football star. And I mean star. And he is preparing to uh, put his name out there for the NFL draft, which is coming up very quickly. And I was so impressed with Britton Covey. He is just an amazing young man. And to have such a solid head on his shoulders... It just was incredible to talk to him, and what a blessing he is. I just really appreciated him taking the time. You are going to love this conversation. And coming up this week in my Latter-day Life, this too shall pass. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And this week here on the Latter-day Lives podcast, it is such an honor to have a huge football star and a rising star still. I was just saying a minute ago that we are catching him at such an exciting time in his life and in his career. We're going to hear all about it. Britton Covey, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks, Sean. Yeah, I wouldn't say huge football star because I'm actually pretty small. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty undersized. <laughs> That's one of the things we're going to talk about because one of the things you're known for uh, is that right. how, but that that adds to your speed. I'm dying to jump into football here. I'm a bit of a football guy, so but yeah, I'm going to temper myself. Let's hear about uh, your younger life. Tell us a little bit about your family and where you grew up. Yeah, well, I uh, born and raised in the same house in Provo, Utah, just. Uh, just north of BYU campus, about two minutes north, uh, right by the BYU intramural fields for anyone listening here. So if you've ever been on the BYU intramural fields and been hit by a water balloon, that was probably <laughs> me <laughs> hiding in the bushes across the street with my, with my water balloon launcher. Um, anyways, grew up in Provo, Utah. My dad, uh, Stephen Covey, my mom, Jerry Covey, um, had two older brothers that played sports in college. So of course I grew up as the little one, not necessarily being bullied, but always playing with the older, older boys, you know, getting tackled quite a bit. And, uh, 
kind of toughened me up a little bit. And then my sisters are just, you know, the gems of my life. And um, so family of five. Grew up in Provo. I played lots of sports ever since I was little. I love musical theater. If I had a good voice, I probably wouldn't be playing sports. I'd be, you know, I'd be playing Jean Valjean and <laughs> that's like my dream. <laughs> but I, I know that's not too realistic. So a lot of us are really grateful you went into sports. So it's right. uh it's been fun to follow. But uh so a few things about this because we'll we'll get into uh where you've had your football career so far. But did did you grow up then as a big BYU fan? Oh, huge. I've got pictures of me till I'm 15 years old with, with shirts that say friends don't let friends go to the U, you know, or, or things like that. So it's pretty funny to, to think back on that. But I was yeah. a big BYU fan growing up. Oh, uh, that's my older, awesome. Yeah, older brother played there and um, lived right by there. So, yeah. So a lot of our listeners are going to hear the last name Covey. And if they're not huge football fans uh, and don't know you, they may know the Covey name. Talk a little bit about your family legacy. Right. Um, yeah, people hear Covey, they, they probably think of, you know, my grandpa, the intelligent bald one that, <laughs> that many recognize with the name Covey, right? He wrote Seven Habits, Highly Effective People. Um, and he's obviously been a tremendous influence in my life and uh he passed away when i was turning 13 or 14 years old so it's been a you know about nine years since he passed but his influence has lived on in my life he's really you know his teachings and principles have been the the base of my whole family i'm so grateful for my heritage um and yeah many people recognize the the covey name but i hope they recognize it not for you know um any popularity that comes with that, but just for being good people. So I'm, I'm very proud of, you know, my family. Yeah. Your family. I mean, not just your grandfather, but other members of your family, uh, it's really become known, you know, for, uh, for this leadership and, and processes in your life. I mean, that was the first business yeah. book I ever read was seven habits. <laughs> yeah. So when, how old were you when you kind of realized who your grandpa was in the big scheme of things? Yeah. Not, not just grandpa. Uh, I still, no, yeah. I, I mean, I still remember because you grow up in Provo and of course everybody knew who Papa was, you know, so we called him Papa and everything. But I still remember going to Europe when I was about 11 years old and we were on, we were on this European tour in London and, uh, someone said the name Stephen Covey and the whole entire room knew who he was and had read his books. And I realized then I'm like, wait, he, people know who he is outside of Utah. You know, <laughs> I, I had no concept of that. I didn't, I didn't understand it. So, uh, that's when I started to kind of realize, but then I, I think that since he's passed, I've come to know him in a completely different light because I knew him as the fun, goofy grandpa. Like everybody saw kind of the business side of my grandpa, but he was a prankster. He was a goofball. And that's kind of how I saw him. Right. Uh, and the teachings and, and writings that he's left since he's passed is really his legacy. And I feel like I've gotten to know him in a whole different way, of course. And, uh, it's been really cool. And I, I love his principles. They're just timeless. It's like Beatles music yeah. relevant 50 years ago. It will be relevant in 50 years from now. So I, I think that's, that's what it's, that's what it is. 
I, I love it. I actually quoted uh, quoted him yesterday. In fact, not even thinking about the interview, I was just talking to somebody, <laughs> and so I think that the, those are that book. That not only that book, but a lot of his principles have really played a big role in people's lives. Um, so we we talked a little bit about how you loved musical theater. You were also obviously into athletics early on. Was was it football from the beginning, or was it mm-hmm. all sports? No, it was all sports. And that's actually, that's one of the main questions I get asked by parents all the time is, you know, what advice do you have for my son who's in seventh grade, wants to play football? And honestly, my main piece of advice up until I'd say soft junior year of high school is play every sport that you can. Don't focus on one sport. Don't just do football or just do basketball. You, I, there's so much you learn and the movements all transfer over from one sport to another, the coordination. So yeah, I played four or five sports every year, you know, all the way up until seventh grade, um, eighth grade. And then I played a couple more in high school as well. But, uh, so it, you know, I loved all different sports when I was in sixth grade, actually, I got diagnosed with a blood disease where I couldn't play contact sports. So I thought I wasn't going to play football or basketball my whole life. Um, it was a free bleeding kind of disorder, right? Where your blood doesn't clot. And so uh, I went heavy into golf. We got a membership at a country club. And for about a year and a half, I went heavy into golf. But then I just couldn't stand how how much I missed football. And so I asked my mom if I could get retested. And I got retested multiple times and I didn't have the the blood disorder that we thought we that we thought I did. So then I went back into to football. That's got to be scary though, as a mom. No matter what, those test results come back to send your boy back yeah. into to play uh, contact sports. Still has to be a little scary. Yeah, no, it is. It's for sure scary. Yeah, you know, everyone can deal with a an ACL or a a labrum tear or something like that. That that happens in everyday life. The, the concussions are what's always scary, you know. And yeah, I actually before every season, um, I get a blessing of protection uh, over my head. Um, mm. and, uh, I, I feel like I've been very blessed throughout my career. I've had two concussions that have been very mild. Um, but I've had many other times where I feel like I've been protected. And, uh, I think the Lord honors that because, you know, hoping my mission is much more than just playing a sport for a few years, um, and that it continues on after this. What age were you, uh, and this might be an uncomfortable question, but what age were you when you kind of knew you were special? I know that's hard for people to hear. That's hard for people to say, yes, I was special. But at some point you started grabbing people's attention. I mean, you definitely didn't go from graduation to, hey, maybe I'll just try college football. When, when, when was it people started to notice, hey, maybe Britain's got something? Oh, I don't know. I mean. (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah that's a hard question to answer I, I i would say probably my sophomore year of high school because i was playing sophomore quarterback you know i wasn't playing on the varsity team or anything like that um and then at halfway through the season i my brother just said to me like because we already had a great quarterback who was a senior so i knew i wasn't going to play varsity so i played sophomore quarterback and then my brother said you should go ask the coach if you can go return kicks you know you know, you won't play quarterback, but you should try and return kicks on varsity. So I got a Jersey. I was number 84 and I went and started returning some kicks and I, and I was pretty good. I started playing receiver and I, I was pretty good even at the varsity level. And I think that's kind of what I realized, you know, I could, you know, do something special and 
but I've always wanted to play college sports. I mean, I still have a pair of gloves that Todd Watkins, the BYU receiver, gave me when I was like six years old. So <laughs> I've always dreamt of it. So you're getting into high school now. How hard was it to balance school, seminary, dating, young men's, all of these things with sports? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're in high school, you don't even really think about balancing it. You kind of just do what feels good. You know what I mean? You just do what you, what you want. When you get into college, then you think more about like, oh, I got to balance these things. In high school, most of the time, you're just kind of living in the moment and things. Uh, but I, you know, towards the end of my senior year, I started thinking about, okay, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go to college? Do I want to go on a mission right out of high school or try and play a year of football? Um, things like that. And so, you know, as you get older, I feel like everybody has those experiences and, uh, choosing to go to Utah was a very inspired decision for me. Um, I feel like God had a big part in that. And I think it was more than just football, right? I, I hope that I've been able to bring positive feelings towards even the church while going to the university of Utah and playing football and then choosing to serve a mission and showing that you can be a devout member of Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, wherever you're at, right? And uh, be a good person and and just thrive amongst people of other faiths or even of no faith or whatever yeah. that is. Let's talk about that process. So here you are a senior, uh, because that is, I mean, what you just mentioned is a big decision to be made. Do you go, do you go right on a mission? Do you go into college? And both of those have big upsides and big down. I wouldn't say downsides have challenges, both have big upsides and both have big challenges. We've seen people be very successful going right on a mission. We've seen people be very successful going to school for a while. How hard was that process? How did you make the decision? And then what, what decision did you ultimately make? Yeah. Well, the good thing is the decision was that it it was whether I was going to go on a mission right out of high school or, after a year of college, the decision was never, am I going to go on a mission? Right. Because I made that decision when I was 11, 12 years old, you know, awesome. and nothing would have swayed me out of that decision. And, uh, so that, you know, when I had a successful freshman season, a lot of people thought, Ooh, maybe he'll choose to stay, you know, and, uh, no, that wasn't even in the question. There was no consideration of that because, you know, I think that ta- taught me a lot about you know, decision-making and choosing what's most important to you and not letting that sway from, from your mind. Right. And, uh, yeah, there's pros and cons to every, everything. I think it's, uh, individual decision, uh, obviously just going on a mission in general. Uh, I think that everyone should, you know, try to prepare for it, but I know that it's not for everybody and, uh, that's okay. And, um, I loved mine. Right. And, uh, loved it. I served in Chile. So my wife's learning Spanish at the moment too. So I'm trying to teach her that, but, but it was a great decision for me. I'm glad I went when I did. And, uh, I just think that it's a very personal thing with each person and God, because yeah. it, it's almost like that scripture in Nephi when he's said, I, I went forward, not knowing the things I was going to do. Right. When it comes to Laban, I think that's how so much of life is where it's like, you try your best. And then you just go forward, not knowing. And then all of a sudden, look, Laban's in your path and, and the Lord's provided it for you. And so 
it wasn't necessarily a prompting. You need to go on a mission after this year. I, I prayed about it and I didn't feel promptings almost. And I just said, you know, I'm going to do what I think is best. And then it turns out. And I think that's kind of how God works because he wants not everything to come from him. He wants you to grow and you to learn those things. When, when you decided to go to the University of Utah, did you face any any pushback from any friends or family going, come on, of all places, the U, really? <laughs> by, yes, by the way, no, I, my, my wife graduated from the U. We have great affinity for the U. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had people all the time saying, oh, his grandpa would be rolling over in his grave if he knew he went to the U. And I say to myself, like, my grandpa graduated from the U. Like, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> like, he taught at BYU, but he graduated from the U. So, uh, yeah, I did have some people, but most people were supportive. I mean, even the whole family switched over to Utah. We went the day after I committed. We all went to the mall to buy Utah gear because we didn't have any. <laughs> and now you've got just everybody loves the University of Utah and my family. And uh, it's actually cool because we have great feelings towards both schools. I love it. Um, rivalry week's a little different, of course. You can kind of <laughs> pick your school, but uh, it's it's great. I think just the whole state of Utah in general, I love building it up, whoever yeah. it is. Yep. Yeah. Well, we have listeners, you know, all across the country and all around the globe, actually. Right. And so I, I don't I don't know that all of our listeners appreciate the rivalry between the U uh, and by the U, we should say University of Utah and BYU. And that it's literally the the big game every year is called the Holy War. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a beautiful rivalry, you know, but there is a lot of love and respect. You were not, uh, you know, you were certainly not the only member of the church at the U, uh, but it also wasn't BYU. Did you face any pressure about going on your mission? Did you have faculty or some of the the coaches kind of saying, Hey, we got a good thing going here. Right. Uh, A little bit. Not very much, not nothing from the coaches, really. Uh, the coaches were very respectful of that, but some of my teammates for sure, you know, they were so confused by it, <laughs> but I quick, I quickly realized this, this lesson that the less, how would you put it? The less devote you appear to be to people, um, the less they respect you for what you believe, you know? Mm. And so. I would always be a little bit embarrassed at first when people would ask me about if I was going to leave to go on a mission. I'd be like, yeah, well, I don't know when I really did know I was going to go. Right. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. I'll make this decision. They would be like, oh, you shouldn't go, you know, try and convince me. But whatever I would answer that question with, yes, I'm, I'm going. They really respected that. And I found that should be true with all of my beliefs awesome. is whenever they ask me about anything, you know, with the church. If I beat around the bush and am shy about it or anything, they don't respect you nearly as much as when I am just adamant and and happy about what I believe and respectful about what everyone believes and and they're everybody is very respectful and they admire that, I think. I love it. What is the transition? I mean, you played high school. Where where'd you go to high school? Timview High School. So you went to high school at Timview High School. Now you're going from, which is, by the way, a great football program, like fantastic, but you're still going from that. What's that first game like to suddenly you're playing yeah. for the University of Utah? The guys are a little bit bigger. The lights are a little bit brighter. Yeah. How is that transition? Well, my first game was actually against Michigan, uh, who, of course, 
big program, right? Yeah, and powerhouse. I was, and I, the sure. guy guarding me, his name is Jabril Peppers. He's currently in the NFL. He's he is huge. He's probably 6'3", 230 of pure muscle and uh, just fast. And I remember the first time I got tackled thinking, wow, am I really going <laughs> to play in college? This is pretty <laughs> insane. And, you know, uh, slowly built up the abilities that I needed. But really, uh, what it came down to for me in college was to just focus on my strengths because, you know, I'm not the strongest. I'm definitely not the biggest. Uh, but I have certain things that other people don't have. And I yeah, feel like a team is just a conglomerate <laughs> of people who have special abilities and just use those. Don't worry about what you don't have. And that's what helped me. It still, yeah. man, but getting tackled a few times still is a wake up call. So, so a couple of things for our listeners to know, if they don't know you, uh, because I know you won't brag on yourself. Your speed is phenomenal. It's what you're known for. You are so fast on the field. And there are, I would recommend, and maybe we'll share some to our social media. There are plenty of great clips of you where you should have been tackled 15 times over spinning and cutting. And it's just phenomenal. So I will brag for you on on that regard that you're really fast. But to put it in perspective, you know, you talk about these guys that are pretty darn huge, you know, football players, a lot of the guys who are covering you and uh, certainly, you know, you're there with your line and everything else put in context about uh, what, what size you are. Cause I don't think most people see you walking down the street and go, Hey, he must be a football player. Right. Well, I'm regular size. I mean, come on. I'm the average male height. Exactly. That's the point. I mean, you're totally, you're, you're a fairly average guy. No one would think, Hey, he must play football, right? Well, I'm five foot eight, 165, 170 pounds. Um, Awesome. But the average height and weight of my best friends since high school is six foot three, 230 pounds. Exactly. I, yeah, I've felt small most of my life. I don't know. Like, Sometimes I feel like I'm bigger than I am. Then I'll look in the mirror and realize, oh, you're not that big, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, compared to most college football players, I'm, I'm on the undersized. Sure. Yeah. I just wanted to paint that picture and, and certainly not that you, yeah, you're, you're a very average, but you're not the kind of guy that people immediately see and go, wow, but your speed on the no, field is, is just phenomenal. It's what's caught so many people's attention. So it's, oh, it's fun. awesome. I, there, I was watching highlights this morning, kind of cracking up. There are some great moments that you've had. That's just, it's a lot of fun to watch. So, <laughs> Thanks, um, uh, all right. So you decided to go on a mission then, uh, which mission did you serve in, in Chile? Rancagua. It's, Ron- it's just South of Santiago. It's like half city, half farmland. You get out to Chile. How was that adjustment? Uh, it was pretty smooth for me. I, you know, I'd seen my older siblings go on missions, so I knew what to expect a little bit. Uh, I took two years of Spanish in high school, (laughs) so, uh, the language wasn't too bad and no, it was great. Obviously everybody has their challenges on their missions. Um, so I, I, on my mission, I came to know a lot of things for myself and experiment with a lot of things and experience a lot of things. And I'm, I'm so so grateful for it. Uh, it was the best thing that I could have done for my life. Absolutely. Awesome. There was a guy on our mission who was a competitive bodybuilder and he got special permission while he was on the mission 
to continue to lift weights and the the mission president fully supported it said look you you're going to have to take care of yourself so you can go back to bodybuilding yeah did you have any concessions about uh, or anything that you did to kind of keep yourself prepared <laughs> to go back to playing um i tried for a little bit but i noticed that i it was hard for me mentally to mm-hmm. uh to think about oh i got to stay in shape and fully immerse myself in loving my mission and just caring about what was happening in the moment. And so I kind of just, you know, made a deal with God, you know, I said, Hey, just bless me when I get home and I'm not going to worry about it. So I, I'd say for the vast majority of my mission, I did not think about staying in shape. Uh, obviously I'd work out, but you know, the morning workouts on the mission, it's kind of like do a few sit-ups and then <laughs> act like you're not falling asleep on the ground. <laughs> your companion doesn't see you. That's awesome. Did you play uh, American football on, on P days? We, yeah, we did. So I actually coached the American football team down in Chile. They have like five American football teams and it's the most comical thing you've ever seen in your life because <laughs> the uniforms are any jersey that they've ordered off of Amazon or something online. It's like Tom Brady jerseys all around, <laughs> even for the linemen, you know, and uh, a, a fifth grade team in the U.S. would probably beat the, the grown up team in Chile. But it's it was fun to, to play that a little bit over there. Oh, that is fantastic. Come home from your mission. What came next? Uh getting back into school and football in my sophomore year, right. Uh, tore my ACL that year. So that was a real trial for me. Um, because I tried to come back and I couldn't, I had to redshirt for a whole year. So I missed a lot of time. Uh, that was really hard for me. Obviously I didn't know if I'd ever really play again. Um, but in that time I met my wife and I had extra time because of my ACL to date my wife. And, uh, so we got married and then yeah, the rest is history. So while going to school, uh, you know, you are going to classes. Did you uh, did you focus in on a major? Yes, business management. Typical Covey, right? Yeah. What <laughs> else is new? Basically, me saying I have no special skills, but I just like people. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So business management minor in Spanish, just keeping things alive. That's great. Uh, so you end up getting married. How did you meet your wife? So I actually met her back in high school, but she has no recollection of it. So <laughs> I didn't make much of an impression, but I vividly remember it. And so I've, I'd always kept tabs on her. And then, you know, eventually I got the courage to ask her out when I was in college, but yeah, I knew about her for a long time. So I kept great. my eye on it. So after redshirting, you're able to get back onto the field, which must have felt wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, were you worried about your ACL still? That's once once you once you injure an ACL, that's a that's yeah. a rough one. People worry about that oh, yeah. quite a bit. There's a mental hurdle hurdle for sure, overcoming a, a knee injury or anything like that. And yeah, I, like I said, I genuinely didn't know if I'd ever get back to the mm-hmm. player that I once was. Uh, so I'm very grateful. You know, and and uh, for anyone listening to this who's had an ACL that still is having problems, feel free to message me because I've got some good tips and things that help me a lot. I went to 
five different doctors and chiropractors and trainers and just trying everything out. Um, but it's a traumatic, traumatic injury. Yeah, it's, it's a big one. But then you get back on the field and uh, things kind of came back together for you in a very good yeah. way. So you ended up having some some tremendous experiences uh, playing. Are there any games that are really memorable for you? Yeah, uh, I'd say the first game back from my ACL when I really played well, the Oregon State game, 2020. There was nobody in the crowd because of COVID. So it was a dead stadium. Oh, but man, yeah. it was a, it was a fun one just because it kind of reaffirmed myself. Like you can still do this, you know? And so that was really fun. Uh, this last year, um, I think the USC game was really memorable because obviously we had just lost our, our other teammate, Aaron Lowe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we kind of had to band together and, uh, play for him and play for Ty and, and then to end it with the Pac-12 championship and the Rose Bowl, right? You can't go out with anything better than that. Yeah. So some memorable games in my whole career. Talk about that whole Rose Bowl experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you grow up thinking, hearing about the Rose Bowl every March or every January 1st, you watch it. So what I remember as a kid was whenever I would watch it, I didn't know much about the teams, but I always recognized the announcers' voices because they were always the voices on the video games. (laughs) <laughs> and so uh, that was what I was excited for in the Rose Bowl to have the video game announcers, right. To, to announce my name. I was excited about that. That's really but, uh, it cool. Was, it, yeah. It was great to play Ohio state. We lost still cuts me into my soul to this day. It probably always will, but still just a very memorable experience. And we, you know, yeah. us and Ohio state put on quite a show for the country. You, you lost such a heartbreaker of a game. That game was awesome, but, uh, but also a heartbreaker because it was there. I mean, it's, it was definitely there. So I won't, we we won't dwell on that though, (laughs) but, uh, yes, please not. Yeah. So this brings us, uh, this brings us up to pretty darn current and some, Mm -hmm. some big things coming up, some big decisions you've made. Uh, what's, what's coming up next uh, for you there, Britton? Well, right now I'm training for the NFL right? Uh, the draft is in about two months. And so I don't know what's going to happen there. There's draft classes, very saturated with a lot of guys because of the COVID year, right? It's like two classes in one. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm not exactly sure where to grade myself. I've had contacts with teams and, and GMs or agents, um, which has been cool. And I think I'll get a shot, but who knows, you know, I've never put all my eggs in that basket, but it really would be a dream, you know, uh, and so I think that would be really cool. And, uh, well, you know, after that, I would love to, to coach if, if that's in the works for me. I don't know yet. Uh, but right now I'm just focusing on that. And it's kind of exciting that, you know, when do you get to say that your sport is your job? Right. So right. I'm right. excited and just trying to get a little stronger, get a little faster, and all those things. Do you read the articles about you? So I used to, um, until there were a couple of more negative articles about me, Mm. um, where I, I mean, not negative, uh, in the sense of me as a person, but more as a player. Right. And, uh, I remember I used to, and I think everybody kind of goes through this where you, you base a lot of who you, how you think about yourself based off of what someone else says or other people's opinions or expectations. And 
you realize you just can't keep up with everyone. You know, my grandpa always said that the, the fastest way to lose respect for yourself is try to become everything to everyone. Right. And, and just meet every single expectation. And so you just, uh, that's when I stopped kind of reading the articles was, yeah, it'd be great to read the fun articles, but what happens when those very same people don't say those things, you know? And so you can't put your worth in things like that. That's fickle or changes. Yeah. And so, uh, I don't, I don't read a lot of them. Um, some of them, of course, that I'll see. I don't think it's bad. I just, I just try to never put too much weight into those. When you are um, talking now with uh, teams, with mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're you're talking with scouts, you're talking with agents. Does being a member of the church ever come up? Are they aware? Uh, yes, it does. It will come up. Uh, obviously, my mission comes up, and uh, being a member of the church comes up, and. Uh, it's never been in a negative light or anything like that. It's always just kind of, uh, you know, they, they ask about it and they see how I feel about it. And, um, you know, hopefully Andy Reed gives me a call, <laughs> but, uh, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see what, yeah, yeah I, I like talking about, you know, that fact. Does it make you laugh a little bit that, you know, and this happens with, with everybody who looks at going into the NFL who has served a mission that you're suddenly referred to as the old man going into the draft. I know. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's, I will say it will be great to go to the NFL and be kind of more like in the lo- middle kind of age group, lower yeah. to middle, because most, I think the average age in the NFL is about my age, 24, 20, 24 or something. Yeah. So, uh, because I've been one of the older ones at the U for a while. And so it would be great to, to feel young again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then there are guys like uh, me and Gene who look at, look at a 24 year old feeling old in anything and just go, how is that even possible? So <laughs> hey, you still got eligibility, Sean, you can still go play. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm really thinking about uh, jumping, (laughs) jumping in and and reliving some football glory days. I want to change gears just a little bit. So I understand there's something really important in your life. And that is uh, you've put quite a bit of effort and time uh, behind suicide prevention. That's a great cause for you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about why that's so personal for you and why that's so important to you. Yeah. Well, I, uh, so I've had two cousins who have died by suicide. Um, so it, it does have a personal, you know, mark on me and, uh, I've known many other people who have died by suicide and, and I just think that it's a silent battle that so many people struggle with. You know, I, when I put out these things about suicide prevention or whatever it is, I have people message me about someone who died 10 years ago and they still to this day feel the pain. Um, and I think sometimes it's easy to see someone like the Covey family and think that, you know, maybe the Covey family doesn't struggle with that, but no, it, it affects everybody, uh, mental health and things like that. And so, um, I've always cared about it. And my uncle, Sean Covey, uh, he and his wife started a charity called Bridal Up Hope, uh, that helps young girls. It's not necessarily suicide prevention, but it's mental health awareness. It's helping girls be more confident. Uh, it's teaching the seven habits. It's, helping girls with whatever it is, eating disorders or anything, anxiety, things like that. And, uh, they don't charge any of the girls that go through the program. And it is just an amazing, amazing program that changes lives. And so I, 
once this name, image, and likeness thing happened with college athletics, right? I was like, ooh, you know, it'd be cool to partner with brands and stuff, but it'd be even cooler to partner with a charity. And so that's kind of what I put my effort into. And uh, yeah, just to see that the outreach of people who are grateful for that or who have experienced that is, you know, it's amazing. And I just think that it's the world has come a long way in talking about it. It's so easy when I, you know, break my my arm in football to to treat it, you know, and so easy for everybody to understand why I can't throw a football after I break my arm. But, you know, when you break something in your mind or your spirit or when you have something that's broken inside of you, it's a lot harder to diagnose and treat and it's a lot harder for people to to see and say, you know, well, why can't they do this? Um, we understand a lot more on the physical side, but not on the mental side. And I think that we've come a long way in understanding those things. Mm. And I think the church has as well. You know, I, yeah. I think uh, the church has come a long way. And uh, just like the world, you know, the church 15 years ago, 10 years ago, didn't have the resources and understanding that it does now. And that's just part of the progression and, and revelation and learning. You know, and uh, I think that's the way with a lot of things with the church. It's just we progress and learn. And if people want to get more information about the nonprofit, where would they go? So if you just go to, I think it's bridaluphope.org, bridaluphope.org. Or if you just look up Bridal Up Hope in, yeah. in Google, you'll find it. So it's, it uses equestrian training, bridal, right? Um, to, to teach young girls how to deal with anxiety and things like that, mm. depression. What a beautiful, beautiful cause. This has been so, so awesome getting to know you and hearing your story. We really appreciate it. And we wish you all the best in it. We'll be watching the draft and, and everything that you do. We're going to wrap things up with uh, the question that we ask all of our guests. And that is, uh, Britton, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Well, being a member of the church to me, it means to just as, you know, it's, it's taught to us to put on the name of Christ. I think that's what it is. I think uh, any Christian kind of carries that mantle. You know, Christians since the beginning of time have been persecuted and have kind of had to wear that badge. And, and uh, so I, I think to me, it's all about Jesus Christ. Um, everything that we do is to try and reflect how he lived, um, what, how he wants us to be the, I mean, we're taught to in the doctrine of covenants, preach nothing but repentance under this generation, right? Well, what is repentance? All it is, is the message that we can repent because of Jesus Christ. It's the message of Christ. And so to me, being a member of the church is all about, uh, representing him and in the best way possible. Um, and I think it can be simplified into living his gospel and trying to represent him and living the way he did. Mm, beautiful. He is an amazing husband, an amazing football player, comes from an incredible family, the great history, not only in business, but in the church. Britton Covey, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. And my special thanks to my guest, Britton Covey. 
And uh, just is he just so impressive? I mean, forget about just on the football field. He just seems so solid and so grounded. And I really was grateful for that conversation. And uh, cheers to my producer, Gene, for reaching out to Britain and setting it all up. Really great work there. It was fun to get to know Britain. Uh, this week in my Latter-day life, uh, I actually have been thinking about sports quite a bit. And I know I've mentioned it on here before. I am definitely a sports fan. Uh, I like football. I'm a 49er fan, and 49ers had a pretty pretty good season this past season, and that was a lot to cheer for. But uh, my heart really is in basketball and baseball, uh, basketball more than anything. I'm a diehard Laker fan, so I was born in Southern California, raised in the Bay Area, moved back to Southern California, and I've kind of been back and forth a little bit throughout my life. And of course, growing up in the 80s, I mean, you couldn't argue with the Lakers. How could you not be a fan? And I know we have tons of fans of other teams right now screaming at me, but uh, I can't help it. I love the Lakers. I'm also a huge Dodgers fan. That's my Southern California speaking is my fandom of the Dodgers and the Lakers. And then football and hockey. I really like the Niners and I'm a big fan of the Sharks. This season has been rough. The Sharks have been terrible. Uh, Again, I mentioned the 49ers had a great season, but that was a while back. The Sharks have just been terrible. They have really struggled, but it is nothing compared to the disaster of a season that the Lakers have had, and I've just felt so down. Uh, Normally, I go see several Laker games every year, and I watch them almost every game or at least watch the highlights and Out of fairness to me, there haven't been many highlights this year. They have just been bad, and I'm frustrated with the way the team got assembled. And I'm also frustrated with the Sharks. Why can't they put things together? You know, while they don't have the great legacy of championships, they've had really great seasons in the past. And so I kind of had all my eggs in the, the Dodger basket coming up, and I thought at least Dodger baseball, you know, the Dodgers have been absolutely awesome And I thought, boy, we're going to have just a great year. And then they announced that the the season was going to be delayed because the owners and the players were negotiating. And there was one day that I just felt really down and really frustrated. You know, the Dodgers, why aren't you playing? Or, you know, why are you delaying it? And the Lakers. And as I sat and thought about the Lakers, I was just so frustrated with this team and thought, how are we ever going to dig out of this hole? And then uh, recently I started reading a book about the era of the 2000 Lakers. And it just took me back. It was the Kobe and Shaq era to when they won their three titles with Phil Jackson coaching. And and it was so refreshing to go back to that time. And, and granted, the Lakers won a title not that long ago. But it feels so dark now. But going back to that era... And that three-peat of, uh, of getting three titles with that team and some of my favorite players of all time with Robert Ory and Rick Fox and just all the great players that played on that Lakers team. And as I was sitting there listening to it, I thought, you know what? That wasn't that long ago. And right now is a downtime. And eventually they're going to be great again, or at least they're going to be good again. All teams do this. Every team. There is no team that is perennially terrible. I mean, even the worst teams right now at some point were really great, whether or not they were winning championships or titles. But I had to remember, I had to remind myself 
that it's great to still be a Laker fan or whatever team it is that, that you support. And it got me thinking a little bit deeper about how quickly I was forgetting all the good times that we've had with all the teams that I've loved, because all these teams have had their ups and they've had their downs. You know, the Niners have had terrible seasons. The Sharks have had terrible seasons. They've all had great seasons, too. And we tend to forget and we live in this moment. I have a a very dear friend who was on the mission with me. And unfortunately, he went through some rough stuff. He got a divorce. And ultimately, he's decided not to stay active in the church. And my heart just breaks for him because I know he's going through painful times. And I just wish that he could remember, remember when he felt so great, remember the championship seasons on our mission when he was on fire about the gospel, because I saw him on fire about the gospel. Alma 5 is one of my favorite chapters in the Book of Mormon, and I love when Alma says, have you felt uh, the redeeming uh, love of the Savior? Have you felt that joy? Have you felt that? And he goes through all these things and asks, have you felt it? And then he says, can you feel so now? And sometimes we can't, and that's okay. But it's not enough to make us change the course of our lives and leave the things that we hold sacred. We have felt them before. We go through tough times. We can feel those things again. And it's not worth giving up everything. I'm not going to take all my Lakers Uh, gear and all my sharks gear and take it out and burn it. And I know some of you listening would offer to burn it for me. I'm sorry. I am a big fan Uh, because good times will come again. And same thing with our lives. There are down times, but I love the phrase, this too shall pass. And we have to remember whether it's in our marriages, if we're going through struggles or at jobs, uh, you know, when we're working or in the church and with the gospel itself, Yes, there are tough times, and there will be more tough and difficult times, but this too shall pass, and I think the more we lean on our good memories, the feelings we've had, at one point we know we felt that tremendous love, the more we can remember that it will come again, this earth is a test, but eventually we'll get that reward if we will stay faithful. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you know someone who would enjoy the show, we're always so grateful when our listeners share the show, whether they share it on social media or just tell a friend about it. It means the world to us. If you get a moment and could leave us a five-star review, again, there's nothing that helps other people find the show more than those five-star reviews. The Latter-day Lives podcast was produced by Gene Chittister, social media by Skylar Fleming. I've been your host, Sean Rapier, and I think that's all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>